keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. We got a big show coming up, the Roast of the Fiend. But first, I want to talk about one of our fine sponsors, Lucy Nicotine, is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine and cherry ice flavor. That used to be my favorite nicotine alternative. Each and every flavor actually tastes great and it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the on the go, in the gym, listen to this podcast. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Wrestle Roast listeners, go to lucy.co and use promo code ROASTS, that's R-O-A-S-T-S, to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code ROASTS at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer warning. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code roasts uh folks we got a we got a big show coming up the roast of the fiend but uh after the roast of the fiend next week we're going to be doing the roast to kenny omega week after that we got ultimate warrior then jerry waller and announcing for the first time after jerry waller big daddy cool kevin nash will be roasting all of those fellas in a row and uh, if you got an extra five bucks a month, uh, we got the new Teddy Hart, New Jack Roasts in the can. We got Meltzer and CM Punk on the horizon. And if you spend an extra five dollars, you're going to get something to sports entertainment with. That's a show where me and Robert Karpolis, uh review Raw. We will be uh, putting it up sometime Tuesday morning. Uh, we will record it right after Monday Night Raw. Oh, it's time to introduce my co-hosts. Uh, as always, we got Mr. Scott Chaplin, Mike Lawrence, Robert Karpolis. Zach Attack is here, but we, we got another Zach joining us today for, for Bright Side of the Ring and the Roast of the Fiend. He's hilarious. You can uh, check out uh, his Real Ass podcast and the... Uh, Midnight Spook Show podcast. Uh, Zach Amico. Zach, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm really excited. 
a brother. This yeah, is Sam awesome. J- Zach, Zach and me uh, roast battled uh, years ago. He beat me at my favorite joke anyone's ever written about me uh, was uh, Amico. You remember you said, uh, there's nothing I'd like to do more than look you in the eyes and shake your hand, but I know you physically can't do either of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, my wife quotes that to me sometimes. <laughs> oh, glad I can haunt your home life. Yeah. yeah. Guys, I Thank know you, this man. is you know, audio and you can't see it, but Mike is a monster. So that joke didn't work. Uh, uh, we all are, fatty. Yeah, yeah, we all are. Speaking of monsters, it's time to talk about wrestling's spookiest monster the fiend we're gonna start out with bright side of the ring uh new or returning listeners uh this is the same explanation i would give uh we uh we talk about the best parts about the fiend or bray wyatt before we roast the hell out of him and again it's you know this one was not hard for me to talk about a bright side i'll i'll uh, i'll tee off guys i'll start this thing uh, off i'll say Bray Wyatt uh, is one of the best promos they've had in the past 10 years. Probably one of the best promos in wrestling the past 10 years. Uh, I love the Firefly Funhouse segments. He has had some really good matches, uh, usually with workers, you know, who are a little better than he are. The Elimination Chamber match against the Shield was legendary. His 2014 was was pretty amazing, you know, you know, if you if you take away, you know, losing to Cena at Mania, but even then, you know, you're losing to the tippity top guy, and uh, this character, you know, who you know the the non fiend character, the Bray Wyatt part, uh, in the Firefly Funhouse is fantastic. Uh, you know, the Firefly Funhouse match that Pritchard produced at WrestleMania 36 was fantastic, and I don't think anybody could pull off the parts of the fiend that he can pull off. I don't think anyone else could do that so there's there's uh there's some love for my man big bray wyatt uh robert what do you think about this cat i think bray wyatt is wildly talented and has made the most of some really stupid gimmicks uh the husky harris gimmick was uh he was thrust upon him because vince thought it was funny that he was fat and they were going to make fun of him for it and he owned it and he made it entertaining when he was on tv the Bray Wyatt character could have been hokey and terrible, and he made it into something must-see, no matter how bad creative screwed it up. And the Fiend presentation, he has taken the ball with it and run. And those Firefly Funhouse segments, when he's done them, he's fully committed, and he's entertaining when he's on camera. And the few times that I've met him, he's an incredibly nice, uh, passionate person about pro wrestling, has zero ego whatsoever about himself, and is just a genuinely good dude that we're going to tear a new asshole to. I'm going to I'm gonna uh, wait on Scott, uh, but Zach and, and Mike, you guys actually, out of all, everyone I know, um, as far as wrestling opinions, I think, Amico, you have like very similar opinions to Lawrence, but what, what did you think about Bray Wyatt? Um, I love that he can continually add to the character without forgetting where it came from and how it almost has this weird sequel to a movie consistency where he always remembers where he came from and that it's been a consistent through line. Also, the guy can move in the fucking ring. I don't think people give him enough credit for like that crossbody and some other stuff he does. And I love that when he fought John Cena, uh, he realized the best way to beat him was with actual children. Uh, the 
I think the it's probably my favorite promo of the last decade is him coming out singing he's got the whole world in his hands with the army of children and then the lights come out and they all had the sheet mask on was haunting. It was scarier than most movies uh, that come out now and he nailed it and he can sing. All right, Mike, uh, what do you have to add to that? Um, I think that, you know, he's a real uh, NXT success story, not Husky, but I know that Bray and the Wyatt family were there and it was like, they were one of those groups like when they, and I'll just talk about the whole family, uh, you know, when they came to, uh, you know, Raw, I think it was with the vignettes and everything, it already felt like a full on like package. Uh, the 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 entrance, I think, is uh, one of the coolest entrances with the lantern. The I thought, I mean, it was kind of a babyface thing, but it still worked where he'd be like, you know, Schenectady, we're here. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> um, he's one of the funnest people to watch live with the uh, the cell phones and all of that. I, I think people still do that with him. Um, and uh, I think that, yeah, the promos, the spider walk, is fucking awesome. It's just one of those cool things where it's like, he just, it seemed like he had it all figured out. And even, you know, I think that those Firefly Funhouse segments are some of the best produced segments. Like you watch those as opposed to other stuff in WWE and you realize like how good they are at production. Um, the Huskis, the pig, the, you know that's good shit pal vince like it's just you could you could tell that it's very much uh a wrestler that's getting yeah the 80s montage stuff with uh cena was great too yeah you could tell he's getting to at least incorporate his own ideas i think that he's got a great mind for the business and um you know yeah he's just he's fun like he's a dude like i bought his action figure because the action figure looks fucking cool I don't have every modern WWE action figure, but The Fiend looks fucking awesome. Scotty. Scott, yeah. before, but before Scott before Scott comments, I want to say, Scott, if you're new to the show, Scott uh, has, uh, has had a real problem with The Fiend since the beginning of the show. And even before the show, when it was an old wrestling podcast told, called Total F and Marks, when the Zach did. Uh, but, Scott, but Scott, I know that you don't hate, you like Bray's promo. Anyway, you take it away. Yeah, I like I like Bray Wyatt a lot. I just think when you have fun, big ideas that are a little different, they're going to be ruined by a guy who doesn't understand them. And so if you have like a a horror idea, well, guess what? It's going to get ruined because it's Vince's version of horror and like no matter what you want to do. And so it just comes out like absolute shit. I think people who defend or it like, looks like the beginning literally of wrestling- every feud has not only gone nowhere, but has been completely dropped. It's like, it's like the, the, it's like part of the character is we give up on it and he disappears. And it's like, Oh, we have an excuse because he gets to disappear. I mean, literally they kill him like every three weeks. Cause they don't know what the fuck to do with him. And then people go, no, he rules. And you go, well, what, what cool thing did he do? All right. Right. We're still at the bright side part. We're still at the bright oh, side. Oh shit. Sorry. <laughs> Well, no, and I, I, but I, I think Bray Wyatt's awesome. I don't think it, any of it is his fault. I think he has good taste in movies, and uh, people <laughs> with good taste in movies think of good wrestling gimmicks, and uh, and yeah, he did that. I, I think he's a fun promo. I don't know if the promos really go anywhere ever. Like they're all very confusing, and you think they're going to go somewhere, and then they they barely do. 
Uh, they sound awesome, like on a wrestling show. But if like a homeless lady yelled them at you, you'd be terrified. <laughs> yeah, and it has the same like consistency. It, it, none of it really makes much sense. But I like him. Yeah, I, I like Bray Wyatt. Cool. I, I think his promos are kind of like Rod- Roddy's, where like some are fantastic and some, you know, this is the thing: is like when half are fantastic, the other half are going to be. What what the fuck was that? You know, just yeah. the nature of the of the beast. And also, like two really cool, you know, the Wyatt family gimmick is awesome. And then the Firefly Flunhouse fiend gimmick. I mean, in theory, it's awesome. Like these are actually like two really good ideas, and that's impressive that he thought of two really great ideas for wrestling gimmicks. It's not his fault that you know they were ruined. And yeah, he seemed like. And I was at a bar with him once. I mean, he was obviously not talking to me because I'm like. No, I'm the equivalent of like uh, one of those guys who like pays Japanese wrestlers to like toss them around and shit in America. <laughs> but like, uh, but like, he, you know, he was like, he had a real fun, he had a, I saw like a real fun thing happen where like Braun Strowman walked into the bar and then Bray turned around all serious in front of everybody. He goes, Hey, motherfucker, there's only room for t- one top guy at this bar. And then he started laughing and they hugged. It was like out of a, like a movie or something, you know? Um, but that, that was kind of like a blast. And, uh, you know, for the most part, I mean, unless you're talking to his ex-wife, it seems like n- nobody backstage has too many bad things to say about him, you know? All right, can we he fuck him over now? <laughs> he gives her $15,000 a month, so she's happy now. <laughs> All right, yeah, now can we kill this motherfucker? Like, let's, <laughs> let's take out the knives. Uh, Zach, you get to choose where you want to go in the lineup and... And our other Zach, uh, our producer Zach, picks out picks picks us at random. So Zach, where would you like to go, one through five? Okay, she, he, Zach is going two. Two. He's picking two. Uh, Zach, uh, Zach, our producer, go go for it. Um, let's have Scott go first. Oh, whoa. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Hey, fiend, John Wayne Gacy called. He wants his fans back. (laughs) (laughs) This guy is the gimmick of Mr. Rogers and the body of Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) Mrs. Doubtfire, I guess the plot is that he wants to be with his kids, right? So that that wouldn't make much sense. (laughs) He's like if Pee Wee Herman turned out to be a pervert. (laughs) He's like, like he looks like the Predator, but he's for kids. It's like the Predator, but for kids. Oh my God, he's a child predator. <laughs> he looks like the leader of Counting Crows if 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 he counted Chocula. <laughs> this dude's first name is Windham. Windham. Windham is also his spirit animal. He's Oink the Clown. <laughs> the Fiend is the boogeyman if the worms were gummy. <laughs> Did you know the blood in the shower scene of Psycho was actually Hershey syrup? Bray Wyatt said as he took a shot of Nutella like it was part of the process. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy to think he was once in Nexus with Ryback. Fast forward to today and Ryback saying, let me in. And Wyatt saying, feed me more. <laughs> Ray drew inspiration from the fiend from remember that clown and twisted metal with the ice cream truck yeah 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 he was inspired by the ice cream <laughs> the fiend often laughs when he attacks someone and so do I it, it's almost like all of his matches are inferno matches in the sense that he has heartburn 
being billed from a swamp doesn't justify swamp ass. <laughs> the arena lights turn red when he wrestles so no one can see the Cheeto dust on his gear. <laughs> <laughs> Some say Bray is a genius. I say the only time a light bulb went off in his head was when it was used as a lantern. <laughs> huh? <laughs> the fiend gimmick has so many holes in it I thought it was the bathroom walls of Mrs. Cornette's favorite gas station <laughs> then we introduce Alexa Bliss into these storylines and there's just more questions than answers questions like why is this happening who booked this shit and did John Benet Ramsey deserve it <laughs> He's the Joker. If instead of why so serious, he asked, are you going to finish that? <laughs> Fiend fans would shoot up a movie theater if their moms didn't have to drive them. <laughs> Fiend fans are tortured. <laughs> Fiend fans are tortured souls whose trust issues stem from McDonald's forgetting to put barbecue sauce in their bags. <laughs> <laughs> Let me in. Sir, it's past 10 o'clock. You're going to have to use the drive-thru. <laughs> Let me in. Sir, you need a child present to enter this laser arcade. <laughs> Let me in. Mom, seriously, let me in. I forgot keys in the house. <laughs> no, I don't lose everything. It's just you clean my room and put stuff where it's not supposed to go. I would clean my room myself, but wrestling's on five nights a week now if you include impact on Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it for me oh it's great great thank you scotty zach amico oh man by the way i'm taking all these so personally scott <laughs> <laughs> it really uh, is yeah you know like hey you know the big complaint about comedy today is not enough representation <laughs> and we really are uh, representing the weirdos of zach amico zach. i do love that we're like we're roasting the fiend call zach <laughs> <laughs> They have the same barber, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's reuse all our Zach shit. <laughs> all right. Oh, man, I should have thought of that. All right. The Fiend's match with Goldberg was an atrocity. It was the most embarrassing incident of someone being too fat to stay in the jackhammer since Sonny did a porno. <laughs> <laughs> The Fiend was brought back to life by a little girl with pigtails. What's his new gimmick? Jerry Lawler's dick? <laughs> Over a few weeks, the Wyatt family brainwashed Daniel Bryan, made him change the way he dressed, and left him without any of his passion for wrestling. Sorry, I'm actually thinking of the plot of the show Total Bellas. <laughs> Bray Wyatt used to be a New Orleans swamp preacher, and now he's a burnt demon. His gimmick went from Cajun to extra crispy. <laughs> Bray Wyatt was a fat bearded guy who used to wear Hawaiian shirts and a fedora. The only pay-per-view he should have headlined is hell and an incel. <laughs> Bray Wyatt's dad was the evil tax man, IRS. And Bray finds a new way to disappoint his fans every WrestleMania. Both their gimmicks revolve around making everyone feel robbed on a day in April. <laughs> Finally, Bray Wyatt used to lead a stable of wrestlers and then went out on his own. He also left his wife for the ring announcer JoJo. 
making it twice in the same year he abandoned his family to embrace the darkness. <laughs> oh man, Zach, that made me my favorite guest roast set that we had. Fantastic. Thank you. Fantastic. Great, man. Fantastic. Next up. Dan. Oh, oh, that's me. All right, here we go. I don't know how I'm gonna follow those two guys. Here we go, folks. The roast of the fiends. <laughs> the fiend is what happens when you build a Chili's over an Indian, Indian burial ground. <laughs> Imagine if I didn't fuck that up, guys. The fiend is what happens when you build a Chili's over an Indian burial ground. All right. He's a wrestler who can both sell you on a match and make you wonder why you liked wrestling in the first place. <laughs> His work rate depends on whether or not he got double meat at Subway that day. <laughs> He's loved by both school shooters and pudgy girls who can't masturbate because their Nightmare Before Christmas Blu-ray is scratched. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Zach. Uh, at, at WrestleMania 33, Bray and Orton fought in what was left of Rowan's push. Uh, Randy Orton is the guy that makes you realize Bray sucks. He's the closest thing in Florida they have to a genie since Kazam left. <laughs> Bray's wife knew he was cheating when she pulled down his pants and his dick didn't smell like a shamrock shake <laughs> uh, also are you technically a homewrecker if they lived in a trailer how does that work uh, the next heel turn Bray will make will be when the doctors remove his foot <laughs> and uh, I just have a bunch of look like jokes at the end so the fiend or as the insulin lobby calls him, Papa John Shango. <laughs> uh, Husky Harris looks like what would happen if Curves had a bouncer. <laughs> the Fiend looks like what would happen if Pennywise had a bad reaction to shellfish. <laughs> He's what appears when you wish upon a rape whistle. I don't know if he was conceived or if he just magically appears when you piss on the ashes of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and that is it those are my fiend jokes folks those are my fiend jokes Robert Roast of the Fiend the Fiend is basically Slipknot without the music which is the nicest thing you can say about him <laughs> Bray Wyatt's catchphrase was follow the buzzards because he knew being in a feud with him was death <laughs> It makes sense that his dad is IRS because watching his matches are taxing. <laughs> and with those red lights, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to develop film or hire a hooker. <laughs> the fiend is what happens when you have a gift card to Hot Topic and a girlfriend way too into goth. <laughs> the fiend faced Braun Strowman in a swamp match and it ended with Braun apparently drowning, even though the WWE swore he was still alive. What do you expect from a show written by a guy named Kennedy? <laughs> Between the dreadlocks, the circus pants, and the clown mask, the fiend looks less like a living nightmare and more like the most in-shape juggalo ever. <laughs> Let me in and bring the Fago. <laughs> in the Firefly Funhouse match, Bray stole John Cena's soul when he was trapped inside of him, which is known as vintage Nikki Bella. <laughs> <laughs> The Fiend Alexa Bliss love story is a lot less exciting when you realize it's just a live reenactment of the song Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus. And like Wheatus, this gimmick won't be relevant in a year. <laughs> the only thing 
that would make the Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss romance any less believable is if Bray was played by Seth Rogen. (laughs) Bray Wyatt is beholden to an evil spirit named Sister Abigail, but I'd rather know what demon Bo Dallas sold his soul to to land Liv Morgan. (laughs) Bray Wyatt was a member of the Nexus and the Wyatt family. He's made such poor decisions with his stables that I can't wait to see him eventually align with QT Marshall. <laughs> and lastly, at Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia, The Fiend lost to Goldberg, though the fans weren't sure which of them was supposed to be the terrifying monster. <laughs> All right. Uh, I can say what I want about The Fiend's uh, physique, but I also know that's the healthiest me and Dan could ever hope to be. <laughs> his real name is Winham Rotunda, so even his name is fat. <laughs> Winham Rotunda sounds like the name you give the chubby kid that farts a lot in a sports movie. <laughs> Winham, what? <laughs> Definitely, you don't want a Wikipedia. Uh, the actor that played Winham Rotunda is <laughs> probably dead. Um, <laughs> went to college in Alabama, but then got into the wrestling business. A fat guy with an Alabama education? I'm surprised he didn't get into the mortgage business. (laughs) Thank you for listening to us on adfreeshows.com. As a young kid, he'd watch his dad as IRS in the ring and think to himself, someday I'm going to get those boring chants too. (laughs) IRS and the Fiend, two vastly different yet accurate portrayals of what a redneck thinks a Jew looks like. <laughs> oh man! From being a cold Cape Fear like cult leader to looking like the lesbian bouncer at a Guar concert. <laughs> the Fiend's mask was designed by makeup legend Tom Savini and was based on Brutus the Barber Beefcake after the speedboat accident. <laughs> His catchphrase is "Let me in," which is also something he screamed at Vince's private plane as it swiftly left the tarmac in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of the few third-generation wrestlers in the business, and since he cheated on his wife, there definitely will be a fourth generation soon. (laughs) He cheated on his wife with the ring announcer JoJo. His marriage was originally scheduled to last forever and could only end through death or adultery or submission. They had two beautiful children together who still aren't used to the idea of JoJo as their new mom. Wrestling's the one place where you're like, oh, all he did was cheat on his wife? It seems like a decent guy. (laughs) I'm just happy that there's finally a consensual relationship between a WWF wrestler and a ring announcer. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a lot of his matches, you know he fucks her with the red lights on and it always ends in a sloppy finish. How about those red lights? You know, I w- didn't want to watch Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt before, but now that I know it's exclusively on the Nintendo Virtual Boy, sign me up. <laughs> it's really amazing that The Fiend can wrestle with such a wide variety of opponents and have the same exact shitty match. <laughs> you know you suck when the crowd watches your match and thinks, hey, can we just bring Titus and Hogan back out here? That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> he truly is this generation's undertaker and that I'm sure I'll like him a lot less when he's not in character <laughs> but you know despite all the smoke and mirrors and spooky shit 
at his heart, the fiend is just a regular guy who thinks he's allowed to have dreadlocks because he fucks a black woman. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Man, that was fantastic. Everybody killed it this week. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. The fiend is what happens when you drop acid in Arby's. Uh, folks, <laughs> I needed to squeeze that one in here, but that was fit. I was thinking, like, Sister Abigail sounds like great heroin, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does sound like fan because I didn't, it's not really a roast or a positive, just an observation, guys. Uh, but that was fantastic. You know, you know a roast is good when Dan's craving heroin. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could say that that's the only time. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Zach Amico for coming out and absolutely killing it. You got to check out uh, Zach's uh, podcast, Midnight Spook Show. I think me and Mr. Chaplin are going to be doing it sometime soon. He's also uh, the co-host on uh, Louis Gomez's uh, Real Ass Podcast. Zach, is uh, is there any other plugs that I am missing, sir? Yeah, I have another show called Bye Guys with me and Ian Fidance. That's every, right. That's right. Every Thursday that at 11 a.m. on Gas Digital Network. And uh, check out Catalyst Wrestling, uh, a little wrestling company I work with. Uh, I help uh, do the backstage stuff. And I'm a manager there, and I'm really, really happy with what we're doing. Uh, we're on Fight TV, and then we air on Gas Digital Network Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. But if you have the Fight app, you can watch all the all the last year of our TV. And uh, I'm really, really happy with it. That's, I just want to say that in the background of, of Zach's Zoom is a – uh, is a signed picture of Paul Bearer. So he is legit the coolest person we've had on this show. <laughs> Thank you guys uh, for having me. I love you yeah, all very dude, much. Dude, you, you did great. Well. Thank you. And come back anytime, please. Yeah, Thank you guys so much. Everybody have a great night, all right? All right. All right thanks, man. Take care. Zach Amico, everybody. We're going to have uh, Eric Hamilton on uh, in a bit. Zach's going to let him in. He's uh, from uh, the What's Wrong With Wrestling podcast. We're going to switch things up and do sh show and hell at the end of the podcast. We're going to do Grimmicks now, folks. Grimmicks. Uh, people who are new to the show, that's when we d debate which Grimmick, which gimmick was the worst. Hence the name Grimmicks. Or, or, yeah, wait, what know, does that mean? Because I don't, because I, maybe well, you I'm Because it's like a gimmick and then Grim is a, you know, like, ooh, like Grim. Grim. Yeah, it's not like, uh, it's not like a smart pun. Yeah, I just want you to have to explain hey it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, also, I want to say fuck Scott for that and fuck Robert for like rolling his eyes when I fucked up two sentences. You try to get through a whole fucking uh, ad copy during this goddamn show. Right? I, I just I just want to let our, our listeners know this show is not live. We just choose not to edit Dan. <laughs> We're live, pal. That's that's <laughs> true. That is true. Uh, we we have the roast of Kenny Omega next week. Uh, show in hell next week. So if you guys want to do do your homework, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be watching the Kenny Omega little little girl fight on YouTube, which you can check out. It's, uh, so it's his caused... match with Moxley. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's caused uh, it's caused uh, it's caused many and uh, many an aneurysm of Mister uh, Jim Cornette. And uh, also for next week's Grimmicks, we are going to be deciding which is worse, the Sultan or Fatu making a difference, both of which were played by Rikishi. We're going to see which one is worse. Um, I'm excited because I haven't seen those guys. I haven't seen a fa Fatu montage in, in quite a bit of time. Do you remember Fatu, Robert? Of course, uh, the the head shrinker who decided he was going to get kids to stop taking drugs uh, with matches <laughs> so shitty that I wanted to take drugs. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Oh man, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun one, folks. And for uh, our Patreon episode this week, we are going to be doing a, a top five episode where me, Mike, and and Robert are going to be uh, debating who are the top five uh, wrestlers of all time. It's a fun, laid back one. Then we got a then we got a, a week off. I'll just go through my page through our Patreon schedule now while we wait for Eric to come in here. Um. So we have the top five episode on April 26th, uh, which is this coming Monday. Uh, then we have an off week, but we still have content because myself and Robert Karpolis will be uh, recording our inaugural uh, something to sports entertainment with, where we will be uh, review recapping Raw right after it happens. So if you miss our recap show, that's if you spend $10, you get that show. Uh, if you spend $5, essentially every month you get Whatever pay-per-views AEW or WWE uh, is running, you get a review of them, and and you get uh, you get an extra roast and you know something fun with the roast. Like we're going to be doing the roast of Dave Meltzer, and we're going to be uh, reviewing the movie The Chaperone. That uh, one after after many, I mean, really, there was no good answers. I was hoping it was going to be Leprechaun Origins because we could see Hornswoggle like like a leprechaun. That is not what we're getting. Uh, again, uh, so we have top five, April 26th, off week this coming Monday, but for $10, something to sports entertainment with, which starts this Monday, May 10th, we got the roast of Dave Meltzer and the chaperone, uh, uh, backlash after, uh, WrestleMania, WrestleMania backlash, May 17th, then we're off. We got double or nothing on May 31st, the roast of CM Punk, and we're going to be watching both CM Punk UFC fights on June 7th off week. And then 21st, Money in the Bank review. So a lot of really fun stuff coming up on Patreon. We got the Rose to Kenny Omega this week. But you know who we have with us this week? He is from the podcast. I just did it. What's wrong with wrestling? Eric Hamilton, everybody. Eric, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And guys, we got a special guest. We're going to have a special run-in for this segment. Uh, Eric, uh, we will uh, we will let the guest do his honors. Who, which which gimmick which gimmick do you think is worse, John Pierre Lafitte or Paul Burchill? Oh, leaps and bounds, Paul Burchill. Really? Absolutely. This was. Uh, I'm surprised WWE didn't get sued uh, for copyright infringement. This was basically like the guy you would see out like uh, in Times Square being johnny depp's pirate of jack sparrow <laughs> yeah yeah like this is exactly what that looked like it was a nightmare was man. like two years after the movie came out so that's cutting edge for vince <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like he's like oh i just saw this brand new movie <laughs> i mean because i've heard the story of like razor ramon like sitting down and showing him scarface I just imagine Vince being like, that's what I've been doing the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I got from like researching both of these guys is uh, it's, it's neither their fault, like more so than any other Grimmick we've ever talked about. Paul Burchill was a really good worker. Uh, John yeah. Feet, now known as PCO is a great worker. And they were just saddled with, you know, kids birthday shit. And it really, it really had nothing to do with him. Uh, what, what did you think, Scott? Uh, so here's why Paul Burchill is the worst gimmick. And I do like Paul Burchill and I liked the finisher. I remember the finisher. I thought he was a really good wrestler. Um, but at least with Lafitte, a, a dumb character is of the time. 
like a character that removed from reality makes sense during then. Whereas a guy who thinks he's the pirate in what was it like 2009, 10 or something? 2006. 2006. Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's just extra stupid. Dude, and it feels to... extra out of place as opposed Listen, to like, to... you know, who else w- was like wrestling during Lafitte's time? It was like Adam Bomb and shit, right? Yeah, it was like Duke the Dumpster. Yeah, it was like and... Doink the Clown. And st- it made sense to n- not make any sense. Repo Man. It's like, yeah, this is a turd, but look at all these other turds, you know, in yeah. the context of like turds. I get it. <laughs> Both great wrestlers, though. I mean, legitimately. And and I watched the uh, the Lafitte match with Bret Hart, and uh, I had fun watching yeah. it. Uh, and I saw PCO at a Ring of Honor show, and I I I loved it. This boy took bumps. Oh my god! And I saw him at a Northeast Wrestling show, and he took a massive bump. So respect forever to him. Mike hey, Sheik. And Paul Burchill, I don't. I, he could literally be in Times Square right now. I don't know where he went. <laughs> Dude, there's no reason. I will. I'll say this. There's no reason that uh, Regal and Paul Burchill, as like foppish Europeaners, couldn't Europeaners couldn't have gotten over. Like, I still think that if they had like invested some more time into that, that that's that's a winning gimmick. Uh, Robert, am I being too kind here? I think the I think this is a tough one because I like both of the gimmicks. Um, keeping in mind that I was there in 2006 when Paul Burchill was a pirate, um, it was a fun, goofy, stupid gimmick. It was him saying, "I don't want to be serious." It was on camera. He was like, "I don't want to be serious." He was pitching to Palmer Cannon, who was the network executive at the time, and was like. I just found out I'm a long lost descendant of Blackbeard and I want to be a pirate. And his entrance where he was standing on the side of the stage and would swing was great. Vince had no idea what Pirates of the Caribbean was. So he didn't realize this was a a pop culture phenomenon. It was just, goddamn, we need a pirate. Uh, And he couldn't understand how this guy was a baby face because pirates are (laughs) bad guys. (laughs) The Jean-Pierre Lafitte pirate gimmick, though, work because he was he was a pirate but he was still vicious i mean he was still genuinely like scary and his bret hart feud hart would come out and put the the glasses on kids and then you know john pierre Lafitte would come out there and he'd rip them off kids faces and at that time for a heel to go there and 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 do something like that to a kid was really scary to see and it, it felt a little bit more authentic than a lot of the other gimmicks at the time that also involved taking things from people like the repo man, and then he could back it up in the ring. So I, I, it's, it's tough because I think both of these gimmicks, if given time would have worked out. I think the virtual pirate gimmick, if WWE allowed that to evolve would have been a great goofy Santino kind of, of deal. And they would have gotten a lot of mileage out of it. Uh, He was talented and they went, no, no, this pirate gimmick, we can't do this anymore. Let's make it so that you want to fuck your sister. That's where the money is. That's the gimmick that's going to put asses in seats. You know, sadly, that usually is where the money is, but not for wrestling, folks. Not for wrestling. Uh, what was working with Virtual like, Robert? Perfectly nice guy. Uh, yeah. You know what? And the, the thing that made it work better for him was you had him with Regal. So when they had a match where when Regal lost, he had to dress up in like pirate garb and dress like a wench. Like Regal sells the hell out of that. And when you have that oddball combination where he had it with Tajiri, we've seen it with a lot of guys in NXT. Yeah, Regal can get anything over, and he was getting that over. It's just Vince didn't understand how this was a, a babyface gimmick because 
who who could root for a pirate so i got a question for everybody here eric maybe you can help me out on this zach maybe you can help me out on this um like I, I was like seeing like shoot interviews from uh, the click and like, and then they talk, was Aldo Montoya in the click or not? Was just incredible in the click. Was he click adjacent? Like where, where was he as far as. He was the Sean Spears of the click. Uh, he was, <laughs> he, he was <laughs> the one, two, three kid feel better about his place. I think he was in the click the days that he was willing to pay the tabs. <laughs> right. I didn't. I didn't give an answer on this. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. So that's okay, man. Um, so I, I hadn't really. I got out of wrestling like early '95. So Lafitte was kind of like a blind spot for me. And I was watching some of his stuff recently uh, this week, and he's kind of. I mean, I know I have you know, as as Scott says, the worst taste in wrestling, but <laughs> I kind of, I kind of was a fan, like. His finisher was cool, the cannonball thing where he did like kind of like a, a moonsault thing. Um, and also I looked up like John Lafitte was a real guy. Like, so he was in the war of 1812 with Andrew Jackson. He did become a pirate. And the whole thing that they did, which I really liked watching his promos was he said, I know you know me as the, you know, Quebecer Pierre, but now I found this other things about myself. And it's like, they don't even do that now a lot of times in AEW or WWE. They'll have a character, you know, and then they're another person like, you know, two months later, they come out with Apollo Crews or something and you're supposed to not think you saw them on Raw Underground. I like the continuity of it. And it just, I mean, it's like, yeah, anyone could have a great match with Brett in 95, but that match was awesome. You know, that match is good because Brett didn't have anything bad to say about him. Like, that's high praise when Brett was yeah. like, I really enjoyed working with him. I read that. And I'm like, there has to be something else to this. Like, I really enjoyed working with him, but he's not as good as when it's, I worked with Keith at Stampede. It is so funny. Like, if you if you read Brett's book, he goes on and on about the people who've fucked him over in the wrestling business. And I guess there's like a page where like Shane, like he 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 alleged he accuses or allegedly Shane, like, I guess, got drunk and like grabbed his wife's ass at a bar as like a bit or something. I don't know, something like that. And like. Brett kind of was just like annoyed he had to deal with it, <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> instead of like it's like everything else, he was like he's like they ruined me. And this one, he was just like, oh, now I gotta fucking rough up a guy. Look, Come look, on. you know, it's one thing to you know grab my wife's ass, but if you if you know sell my sharpshooter, man, that's just that's low. <laughs> I love how we become Seamus McFly from Back to the Future Three whenever you start doing the voice. <laughs> I've got a new hat. You know I what, feel like to accurately do Brett, I'd have to like drink like a Molson and get a concussion. And I'm not willing to do that for this podcast. <laughs> Maybe you might have to pick up some Tim Hortons to <laughs> complete the trifecta. And and be abused by my father, but pretend that it was love. <laughs> um, yeah, I and I, I will say too, it's like people bitch because you know, this is kind of like a childlike gimmick and it's like a you know, a time capsule gimmick or whatever, but doing a modern version of a pirate would be so much more depressing. Just like a guy who like steals stuff, but only because like, you know, like uh, the Western nations have ruined his country's economies, you know, like that's just, that's a documentary. That's not a wrestling. Here's the thing, Dan, we don't, we don't have a modern pilot pirate in wrestling because Vince hasn't hired any Somali wrestlers yet, but you know, you know, like in 2027, we're getting a captain Phillips, 
character when he fucking oh reginald's gonna kill it as the pirate (laughs) well guys we got we got we got a uh we got we got somebody who's going to do a running in just a little bit here. But uh, while we wait for that, uh, Eric, you want to give us some plugs while we wait for our, uh, our our mystery, our mystery opponent here? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what's wrong with wrestling podcast? Uh, we release every Wednesday. Uh, we recap Ron Smackdown. Uh, we do awards. We do, uh, you know, basically the bare bones, what you need to know, because you're not missing much if you're not watching the show anyway. Um, we also have a Patreon set up. We do uh, the former Wednesday Night War. I guess it's not a war anymore. Uh, but we also do yeah. a lot of brackets, movie recaps. Uh, some of our favorites are recapping classic pay-per-views, classic Raws, stuff like that. And I mean, uh, if you saw we, what Kyle O'Reilly wore on Tuesday, you'd realize, yeah, that's what you dress like when you're not in a war anymore. Right. <laughs> that's when you order Orange Cassidy off Wish. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's, uh, that's what that was. Oh, and I just yeah. want to say about Paul Burchill, you know, uh, my favorite mediocre British wrestler that didn't become an announcer on NXT. <laughs> oh come on that's not he's a little better than that but ladies and gentlemen our uh, our mystery running has uh, just entered the building i am i'm so excited I, I i can't believe uh that we uh that we got this this man uh he's a former R- ring of honor world champer, champion he's a former <laughs> wwf tag team champion a former wcw hardcore champion and he's no longer john pierre lafitte Ladies and gentlemen, PCO. What's going on, PCO? I'm fantastic. I'm great. Uh, what about you guys? Oh, I'm great. sorry. I just joined. I just joined, so I might not know uh, everything that you've been discussing. We've but, been uh, we've been giving you praise about your your character and your work. You know. All right. Uh, yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Thank you. No, nobody, nobody, you know, it's, it's hard to make a pirate gimmick work and you, and you did it, but I wanted to, I wanted to talk about this. Now, was this something that WWE creative presented to you or did you, uh, did you bring it to them? I, I brought it to them. I mean, that, that was my idea because uh, when I was 12 years old, I got shot with a, uh, a pellet gun and the, and the right eye and I lost sight. And uh, during all this times, like from 12 to when I started to wrestle at 16, like you know, training and everything, my dad would always say, you know, just take a, a negative and turn it into a positive. And uh, I thought it was a great opportunity for me to do that. So I wanted to to be the, this character to be more like a human character, like a guy with an handicap, more than a um, the sort of, a, uh, you know, cartoon character. So I wasn't. I was kind of disappointed that didn't want to, uh, Vince didn't want to, you know, notice my, the fact that I was blind on the right side, but it was mostly the American being, the Americans being blind on the fact that the great, great pirate, my great, great grandfather uh, basically saved the United States or well, some sort of story like that. So I was a little bit disappointed of that the story. Yeah, you, you wanted something a little more grounded. You're saying, yeah, than, more yeah. grounded, more more on the, yeah, yeah, We're working, you know, wrestling with an handicap, you know, 
So that that was the that's how I pitched it, you know. That is unbelievable that you lost sight and then at 12 and became a pro wrestler. Like you started training. It's my grandfather. uh, He got shot with a BB gun in his eye when he was 12 and uh, and he just became a drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, what an impressive person. (laughs) I was really into sports. I was already playing ice hockey, hockey. So I was a big hockey fan and I had been to hockey school since I was like three years old, four years old. My dad was pushing me real hard to become a hockey player. And then when, when that accident happened, I, I, was, I liked both sports, like pro wrestling and hockey. So uh, the choice was pretty easy for me. You know, I went with wrestling. But uh, all, all the way until then, you know, I was, I was pushing to, to become a, a pro hockey player. Wow. I think one of the wow. most amazing things about that run was your, your feud with Bret Hart was basically around you stealing his jacket, which is yeah. the laziest kind of creative they can give. And yet you yeah, guys man. made it into a really, it was a memorable angle and it was a, it was a great match. How much of this was just you and Brett getting together and saying, we're going to make the most of this? Yeah, I'd say 90% was me and Brett getting together. I would say it was Brett, you know, basically wanted to. I mean, I, 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 I love Brett. I mean, Brett was so cool with me. Like, he's been so business. Like, he would give me his phone number. I would call him home. And Brett would never answer a phone, like, usually if you didn't have, like, a pay-per-view match or something very important, something, a hot angle going on with him. Like, he, he would not pick up the phone. But for, for those matches, he would. And uh, that's, uh, that's the kind of guy he was for the business. I mean, he, he was, you know, he really wanted to have the best match that he could with me. And uh, even though, like, he's he's been putting, like, the match has been put on his... Uh, Red Heart Dungeon Collection, like one of his, you know, top matches. Like he's got like a powerhouse match and a, uh, let's say, a scientific match or all type of, you know, pure wrestling match or whatever. And anyways, I, I made the DVD and I was really proud of that. And uh, I've, I've, I've worked bread in the tag team, the Quebecers versus the Heart Brothers on the, and, uh, the Raw Rumble 94 or 93. And yeah, '94. And the then were great, man. I was a kid. I was like nine or ten. I hated you guys. You were awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, no, but that's how we we started the connection, me and Brett. And then then after that, when I became the pirate, like he goes on and saying like it's probably the lamest uh, the, the lamest uh, storyline that he's been involved with, but. Uh, I think when I stole his jacket, you know, Brett was like, well, I would get another jacket made. But like for me, if if, if I was on a good run with a hockey stick or with a pair of skate or if I was winning with a, a jacket and that's my favorite jacket and someone steals it. That'd be enough for me to create some fires. But uh, well, PCO, I, you're being nice because uh, you know he had just had his WrestleMania 11 match with Bob Backlund. He was not on a run at the time, so I have a. I'm sorry, Mike. Just one question, then I'll. Uh, I have no other questions. But when that moment, like when somebody brings, you know, this a kind of like a lame gimmick, like like you're going to be stealing this guy's jacket, okay? Like 
what do you have to do in that? What, what like in that situation, do you have to be like, fuck or like, fuck you guys or like, I'll make the best of it. Like, what's the first reaction to that? No, my reaction was at least, you know, they want to do something with it. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. they, were, they were not going to do anything. So just the fact that we're start, you know, at first I so like, I think it was Savio Vega's flag because he used to go to the ring with a flag all the time. Then it was uh, a kid who, uh, who wore Brett's uh, glasses when after his matches, he always yeah. like gave his pair of glasses and then I stole it from the kid, which was like uh, Yokozuna's kid. So it was like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I want to give you some scoops, guys. So it was like, uh, <laughs> it was like uh, pre, uh, you know, prearranged a little bit. So because you know, you know, just just don't go in a crowd and pick up glasses <laughs> on a kid. You know, yeah, I think that's just, I think that's just assault if uh, if yeah, you don't have it. Right. Talk about it beforehand. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. So I I, I was happy because I. I they were doing something with me, and then, then I got to feud with Brett, and uh, Brett was a, the top name at the time. You know, he was the man. He was the, the guy who had been, like, the, the world champ and, and, and all that. And he was basically pulling the company on his shoulders quite a lot. So I was I was super thrilled, even though it was a lame uh, storyline. Yeah, it made the best out of it. That's that. That was my thinking going into it. And Robert, you and uh, PCO got to work together in MLW. Is that correct? We, we did. Yes, uh, we we worked together for a couple months, which was uh, a blast to do uh, to do pre tapes, especially when you can bring in an old school uh, wrestler where you just have to give him a couple bullet points, point the camera at him, and you're gonna get exactly what you want. And uh, you had a, a a great match with Brody King. Uh, with us which was a hell of a lot of fun uh and then there was a dive that you took i was i was working up in the booth and you took a dive off of my booth and you were like hey film this so i have it on my (laughs) cell phone of you taking this ridiculous dive off of a balcony uh you you went all out and i think that's what has made the pco character so entertaining that there's a there's a number of guys who can just kind of coast after a while that was never you. Anytime that we we had you out there, I mean, you gave you gave it your all. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, my my thinking going into any matches, like any company and any matches, it's uh, uh, I'm a rookie. You know, always. That's how I think. I don't want to think of myself as being a veteran or knowing everything or you know having some sort of special you know uh, treatments and things like that. No. I want to go out there and and, and I want to act like, uh, you know, I got to perform and prove myself night after night after night. And the day that I won't be able to do that or I won't feel like that, that's the day that I will not wrestle anymore. I will know that the flame's not there anymore. I mean, this it's incredible to run. You're, you're in your 50s and you're doing I mean, this is amazing. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that you know, we can sell out the Olympic stadium in Montreal. Uh, so we'll see how it goes, but uh, that's, that's something that I'd really like to do. I think it's possible. Well, who would, who would you want for that? Is that match coming up or is, who would you want for that match? Oh, I don't know. My contract is up December 1st and uh, uh, I'm in very good terms with ring of honor. So, 
I know the show that we did at the Garden with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we, you know, we were sold out there, and uh, I think people from uh, New England and the uh, Northeast of the United States and and uh, Canada and Toronto and Quebec is very wide, and I think uh, we just if we do it smart. If we can like have like twenty thousand tickets sold, I think to go ahead and and sell another maybe sixty thousand tickets, like at, let's say twenty dollars a ticket, just just make it like a big tailgate party, a big happening. Hell so yeah. once we got that core of twenty thousand people, and um, I would love to do it like. Uh, in a uh, partnership with the city of Montreal who owns the Olympic stadium. So it wouldn't be like, we wouldn't have to rent the venue. There would be a partnership on the venue on the revenues. And um, I think the mayor of Montreal will be really interested in something like that, but uh, we'll see what comes up, you know, in a few next months, like during the summer, usually it's where we start. Like the last time I got signed for a first year, Right after MLW, um, I signed with Ring of Honor. And then uh, during the summer or about September, October, we started to sit down and uh, negotiate for Then I did negotiate for another two years. And uh, now it's coming up. I'm in good terms. I feel good with all the, um, the executives there and uh, general managers, president, uh, Booker, everybody. All the boys have got a great, great time so far. It's just been pretty rough during the pandemic because yeah, we're yeah. taping a bunch of show at the time, and I had also issued uh, some issues with my visa. I had to renew my visa, and during the pandemic, you know, everything took more time, so I had to miss the TV taping, and so I'm kind of off TV a little bit now. But I, I was part of the last TV taping, so everything's going to come back to normal now. But it's been a rough, a little rough couple of months, you know. Well, it's been a rough two year and a half, basically. I do want to praise the fact that every week you've been churning out those mini videos. Uh, anyone that follows me on Twitter, I always I always put that out there during Raw. But you, you've taken it upon yourself to build this PCO character in these these little videos uh, how much work goes into putting those together? Oh, that that was a lot of work that moved because we we needed a TV studio. We needed like some green screen. We needed like people being able to put the image on the green screen and things like that. The writings and the storylines and all that. That was a lot of work. Uh, uh, I don't know how many hours per week, but it was maybe twenty hours per week just to shoot get everybody and we, we we were shooting during the pandemic too which was kind of tough to to get people to to participate and also to shoot that in a way where you can't tell like five years from now or a year from now if it was during a pandemic you know i wanted it to be uh you know um universal and uh without any time frame so i didn't want it to to show that it was during a pandemic. So, uh, yeah, it was been a great project, but it was a lot of work. And uh, so now we're working on another concept where we're going to come out with a, a big like, stunt like once a month. So every first of the month will be like the 
big monster video and just regular workout video during the week. So um, the movie is like all shot now. It's a, now we just need to put it all together. And uh, there's already a, a documentary uh, that there's a team that's been following me. They followed me actually during my MLW run and uh, all the other indies that I was doing. They came with cameras. It was a really uh, professional team. And so they interviewed a bunch of wrestlers too from Ring of Honor or former tag partners or former uh, guys that I work with in WWE. Uh, I know they want to talk with Brett too. So uh, that's going to be a documentary in real time. So it's going to be pretty cool because they were there at every stage. Uh, are you going to go... Uh, let's say with uh, impact or with uh, AEW or with ring of honor, they were there before they were there during the MLW, the Indies from the beat. So we got all the stories all the way to winning the world title at ring of honor. So it's, it's pretty cool to have all those images and the rights of the images like ring of honor gave us the rights to use those images and, those interviews and all that. So that's going to be, I think, tied in with the movie once it's all post-produced. Yeah. Well, before uh, PCO jumps off here, uh, Mike and Scotty, you got any uh, last questions here? I just wanted to let you know, Vince still hasn't figured out how to tastefully portray a disabled person on television. So (laughs) don't think it's personal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I mean, they, I think we saw a little bit with Zach Gowan, but... Uh, um, yes, I guess we did. <laughs> a little bit, but they, they, didn't, they didn't do much with him, too. I think... I, anyways, uh, that's... You know, you, when you, you shoot a, an idea for a character, you always have the ideas in your mind. You try to give them as, as much insight as you can, but at the end of the day... You know, get changes a little bit. It's always like that. Well, I'll say this: if you come back as Jean Pierre Lafitte, I will travel to the Olympic <laughs> Stadium in Montreal <laughs> and, and buy those eighty thousand tickets myself. <laughs> you should, you do, dude. Well, do like three travel. different characters. Jean Pierre Lafitte, you know, the three Lafitte. Give me a lot to think about now. <laughs> uh well thank you thank you pco uh thank you mr eric hamilton uh check out what's wrong with wrestling and P- pco uh besides your your uh awesome instagram and uh ring of honor where else uh, can we follow you well uh on youtube uh pierre carwellette uh, pco and uh everywhere else tiktok and uh, like you said instagram um twitter and facebook PCO is not human. Very simple. Check it out. And it's true. Yes. Thank uh, you so much. Appreciate thank, it. Thank you, PCO. Thank you. Appreciate the chat. It was fun. Thank you. It was fun also with uh, Robert. Like uh, we, we exchange sometimes, but just to get to see you again is, uh, is great. Thank you very much. Thank you guys to everyone. Great seeing you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. He's All right, PCO, cool. everybody. Eric Hamilton and PCO. And apologies to uh, Paul Birchall because, unfortunately, uh, 
Paul Burchill is the worst gimmick. He is the he's it's the worst <laughs> it's the worst pirate gimmick. John Pierre will yeah. see one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank Paul. You guys. I think Paul. Uh, we did the uh, King of Trios. We were a bunch of pirates. Like the other the other guy from Mexico came in, and I think Paul was going to be. I thought Paul was going to be one of the. It was the King of Trios. We were all pirates. <laughs> that's a new that's a new faction are you listening tony khan get your 30th faction the pirates of the pirates of jacksonville <laughs> no not for me <laughs> all right guys yeah, thank, thank you Eric. thank you thank you thank you, thank you both Eric right. hamilton from what's wrong with wrestling and uh pco that was awesome that we both uh we got we got to talk to john pierre lafitte about john pierre lafitte guys Man, last week we roasted Shawn Michaels, and this week we talked to John Pierre Lafitte, my two favorite one-eyed wrestlers from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's time for Dynamite or Fizzle. How was we recap Dynamite this week? We're going to start with the first hour. I'm going to give you the cliff notes of the first hour, guys. First hour, we get Ricky Starks versus Hangman Page with Hangman Page uh, getting a win after a modified Bulldog. Trent Beretta versus Pentagon Jr. Pentagon uh, getting uh, his uh, win over Trent with uh, some help for some outside interference. A sit-down interview with the Pinnacle. Sheeta, Ty Conte, and Miro calling out Kip Sabian. What did you think about this first hour, Mike? Uh, yeah, this was fun. You know, uh, if you can't have a tag match open, have Adam Page. Uh, it worked. Uh, this was good. Uh, Hook was there, our favorite uh, forgotten That's my son. favorite pirate wrestler. <laughs> Show up every week. Um, I just, you know, man, I... <laughs> Blink twice if you want us to save you, Hook. Because <laughs> you definitely don't look like you want to be on tv i actually i was we were live tweeting last night and i asked people um to give us uh, answers for what uh they what what they think hook wishes he was doing instead of being on dynamite <laughs> uh i'd like to read some of those quickly uh andrew day said playing Fortnite while he reevaluates his life choices uh, the king <laughs> said, dressed in a pirate's costume and trying to kill Peter Pan. Uh, <laughs> Coach Sean Calvin said, at home watching Family Guy reruns on Hulu instead of hanging out with his grumpy faced dad and his totally naturally muscular client. <laughs> uh, uh, Ian Dan Martino said, getting ace for high school kids and pinching a gram out of each one. <laughs> Tom Exotic said, uh, Stand, standing there looking menacing next to almost instead <laughs> and then uh dan hashi said searching for his real father <laughs> it, i mean thank god he didn't get taz's jeans you know he is a good looking kid um yeah what did you think about this uh, first hour uh mr scott chaplin uh, i enjoyed it very much i thought i thought the penta uh uh, Trent match was like a little sloppy in moments, but other than that, I really liked it. That Starks bump, man, holy shit, right? Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was that was brutal. That was, I, I like Hangman's new uh, submission. If you're gonna have a submission finisher, I thought that was like a cool way to get into it too. Uh, yeah, it was good. And I mean, what else happened in this hour? Well, the one thing, can we just change Wardlow's name? 
to like war dog. I thought MJF say said war dog. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Let's just keep it with war dog. He, he might've uh, said that that might be his nickname. Wait. So the MJF thing was in the first hour. Cause that yeah. was ridiculous. I mean, that was unreal. Uh, that was a, ter- that was a terrific promo. I was un- flawless and Wardlow killed it, knocked it out of the park. They took um, a mess up from Jericho last week where he like accidentally complimented Wardlow as as Wardlow saying that Jericho gets flustered when his when he brings up his name like he gets nervous. Mm-hmm. This shit ruled hard, dude. Go watch this segment if anything. Yeah, just oh, call him War Dog. Uh, what I loved was uh, Miro saying that he's been held back. It's like you chose to be with Kip Sabian. Like, <laughs> wearing, I don't think anyone told you to wear a Gucci Minnie Mouse fucking shirt and like a five thousand dollar <laughs> pair of pants. This is your choice. I'm glad that. He wants to be in the title hunt and be this monster, but not everyone in this company has to do the whole, the management is holding me back gimmick. It does. It's like, you wanted this dude. Robert, you think Mike's being too hard? I don't know. Um, the, the, the Miro, I mean, look, I love that Miro has a direction, but it makes no sense because again, it's that whole, it's the same thing Archer talked about with sting where I was in the main event and then I was off TV for a couple of weeks. That's not a wrestling angle. That's a, you have a problem with creative. Uh, the Ricky Starks Adam Page match was good, but I don't understand if rankings matter because they're like Adam Page has been the number one has been uh, ranked number one for the last four weeks. Yet there's no possible future title shot for him. Um, and all it is is if he loses, he's going to lose the number one spot. Number one spot doesn't mean anything. Uh, Penta and Trent was fine. It was sloppy, but it was fine. The Pinnacle promo was great, except it was a promo about a promo. It was everybody loved your promo, Jericho. So now we're going to cut a promo about your promo, which is really fucking weird, except MJF made a good point about the Jericho rub where it's just you only work with people that are interesting and exciting to make it seem like you're important, which is true. Um and yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know if it, that's totally true, but yeah, well, I mean, it was a great. And line. to say I'm a mark for your spot, that was so good. Yeah, I'm a mark. I'm a mark for your spot. Holy well, Dan, shit. I think it was true within the confines of AEW that yeah. Jericho's only targeting guys that he perceives as being popular. Uh, MJF gave a great promo. I love that we all shit on Wardlow when that's his real name. His shoot last yeah. name is Wardlow. Like, get a better last name. Yeah, uh, dude. Get war do- War Dog, dude. War Dog. You look like a war dog. It's a cool name. Use it. And I will say Ty Conti and Hikaru Shida was, was better than the 925 women's matches we normally get. They they tried very hard to tell the announcers telling the story of how important this was. And it was better than the debut that they had on NXT this week for, uh, I've already forgotten her name. Well, here's my caveat with that, though. It's it's like in the same show, you have Ty Conti, who's your fresh face, baby face losing. And then you also have Jungle Boy, who's your fresh face, baby face, losing in the same show to other baby faces. I, I just don't know if they thought that out. I mean, I thought both matches were really good. I just it just was weird. What, they what they love good? to do this baby face, baby face stuff when if there was a real crowd there they wouldn't have known who to cheer for. And then you wind up kind of dinging one of them in the end. I think that the crowd wanted to get behind Ty Conti, but at the same time, you need to build up Sheeta as your strong women's uh, champion. Well, thank God Britt Baker is going to be coming in there and taking the title Britt Baker is worth her weight in gold. And and lastly, I will say, Hook's stomps 
are the best thing ever because he windmills with his hands like he's on stage on Broadway. He has mm-hmm. no idea how to work. <laughs> and I can I could almost feel Taz's skin like crawling at that because that's something he would have torn anybody else apart for. And, and I'm hoping Child Services is watching and is there to save Hook. But, but listen, Robert, you know he wants to be like a theater actor. Like all of his fucking friends are doing Pippin and dad's like, you got to come with me to Jacksonville again. Like I feel bad for him. Hey, Mike, you're you're um something's a little bit different about your audio. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I, I was just saying, yeah, I feel like Hook Hook clearly wants to be in the Miserable. Like he doesn't want to be fucking wrestling, you know? Like, and I was gonna say with MJF, uh, it was interesting because the Jericho promo, the immortal promo was actually two weeks ago, but they tape on two week cycles. So MJF didn't respond to it till this week, which felt a little past its prime in the sense of like, I guess the promo went a little viral. And so he felt he had to address it, but AEW should have had him address it last week. Cause they did the, the Tyson stuff. They, uh, the pinnacle did not talk about the promo last week. Also, it was weird that they, they made a point of saying, uh, not, uh, the, the one that got, I can't remember, not Wheeler, the other one that got punched. That like, oh, his, his jaw must be wired shut because he got punched by Mike Tyson. And he was sitting there during the interview totally fine. Like they didn't, he didn't sell it at all, which was weird because it's a Tyson punch. Like that has value to it. And he should have had, there should have been something addressed with that. Yeah, they, they, no, that was, that's Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood, the equally memorable, forgettable names. <laughs> Our second hour, we get Jericho and the Inner Circle cutting a promo. Billy Gunn versus QT Marshall, uh, the elite uh, celebrating how cool they are uh, in Moxley, and Eddie Kingston uh, t- uh, T-boning them. Christian versus Powerhouse Hobbs, a Jade Cargill promo where she's making a case for why a manager should give her a- an amazing deal, and Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy with uh, the... Uh, I think the identical schmas from last week uh, <laughs> at the end of it. Uh, let's start with uh, we'll, we'll switch. We'll switch order this time. Uh, Mike, what did you uh, what did you think of this hour? I, I thought this was good. Uh, the Jungle Boy Derby match was great. I definitely Sting. It's like I just feel like his kids aren't talking to him or something because like <laughs> it's so weird like that he's there. I, mean, I say this every week because he's there every week. Like go away for like a week or two. Like Cody hasn't been on TV because he's still selling that horrendous QT beating. Um, <laughs> but it's like it's just so odd. Like to have this guy that in December everyone's like he's back. He's an icon. And now he's just Darby's Luchasaurus. Like, it's really, you know, yeah, Jungle Boy and Darby both came out with their respective dinosaurs. Um, it just, I, I thought that, yeah, this hour was good. The inner circle stuff was good. Christian in the traditional woman spot was, was nice. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that uh, the, the Omega stuff is fun, but, you know, you got to feel, I'm, I've never said this that I probably never will again. You got to feel a little bit for impact that is, is that match this weekend? Like it's Sunday. Yeah. It's, it's Sunday, Sunday, man. It's, for both titles. it's not just for the TNA, you know, world. Yeah, title. It's for the AW title. It's for there is too, no man. mention of it. Like 
Khan goes on their show, like shits on them. I mean, they do get Omega to come there and he's going to wrestle on their pay-per-view, which is good for them. But it's like, there is no cross promotion at all. Cross promotion means both promotions promoted. <laughs> they aired a commercial on during one of the picture in pictures. So that's how you know it. It had real impact uh, okay. in between eight Burger King commercials and the, uh, the Grubhub song that's playing on a loop in my brain. <laughs> Here's another name for uh, the fiend: the Yellow Stacker King. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I think Hour Two was a solid episode of Sunday Night Heat um, for a lot of it. The Inner Circle promo, Jericho's stuff wasn't that great. The Jake Hager throwing straws at the camera didn't like. They gave him a prop, and he was so excited to use it. Santana knocked it out of the park. That dude is a fucking star. He looks great. Uh, he overshadowed everybody else in the ring. He had command <laughs> and poise. Everything he said made sense. Obviously, the main event of this week was Billy Gunn versus QT Marshall, which is like, <laughs> I, it's like Dan and I were talking about this before off air. I'm like, I, I'm starting to think I'm telepathically wishing this show into existence that I'm getting <laughs> badass. Also, Billy he Gunn. beat this Billy Gunn undefeated streak we didn't know about. I, I had that note. I'm like, Billy Gunn won 17 <laughs> matches in a row. This is the first time I've seen him wrestle since he was, you know, in WWE. Um, I realized QT spends an inordinate amount of time fixing his trunks. Like I was keeping tally. All he keeps doing is just adjusting his trunk. Like either get a pair of trunks that's got fit. no ass, dude. He's got no it's, ass. It's it's weird. He he really is a melted candle come to life. But oh he's also not a great wrestler when he's a trainer. Like that's the whole thing. Like Christian's whole thing is like I would believe Christian's running the Nightmare Factory. Where I'm like I can see why you're not a star, but you're a great wrestler. QT Marshall is good at bump and feed, and that's it. Uh, Robert, but, you don't know most people that teach comedy classes, but uh. <laughs> this feels like Henry Winkler's acting coach uh, on Barry. Check, uh, check out, <laughs> by the way, check out BroadwayComedyClub.com. Uh, you, know, you, know you know what I realized too, watching the QT Billy Gunn match? Like, one, I hope there's a blood and butts match at some point. <laughs> <laughs> blood and butts. <laughs> but, but, dude. Like they're they're it's not they're not using QT to get these other three guys over. They're using these guys to get QT over. Like it's crazy. It's a go go. A go go could be a star. I think we all agree. Yeah. Like we see something in that dude. He's fucking awesome. Although his I, punch kind of sucked this week because I I feel like I don't know. It wasn't a wrestling punch. It was like a boxing punch. So it looked like shit. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it would have been enough to knock out Ben Askren. But it was, you know, I just think that it's like you <laughs> it should be the other way around. And we're getting Robert. We are. I getting, feel like when Mike like takes a dig at somebody out of nowhere, like gold dust is boa should just magically like form around your neck. Oh, don't worry, Mike. <laughs> we're, we're getting Dustin Rose versus QT in a, in a bull rope match. I was and saying, it's we're getting be, it on pay-per-view. It's going to be awesome. Though. Do you think we're going to get QT Dustin on pay-per-view? We're not going to get QT Cody? I think we're getting QT Cody unless we get QT Dustin, which is leading to the all-out match between QT and Cody. Can we can we talk about the chair, by the way? I love how they found a chair from, like, 1920s Coney Island, and that was what they were going to use. Like, where did this – I wanted – that's the payoff I'm desperately waiting for. Use that's, this that, old-timey chair. That's uh, the chair that Mula used to eat out May Young on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Scott, uh, are we being too hard on uh, the factory here? I don't know, because the way I, I watch QT, it's he sucks the entire time. Like, so when you go, 
oh, it's getting him over. It's like, no, he didn't do a single move. He was getting his ass kicked, and then they helped him win. Even when he walked out and Billy Gunn ran at him, did you see him push the one dude in front of him? It's like, he sucks, and that's the gimmick. You're complaining about exactly what their plan is to do. It, it just, there's like a disconnect. You can go, I don't want him having TV time, but when you go, oh, they're pushing him, it's like, no, they're not. They, they make him out to absolutely stink. He's like, it he's a midlife crisis like that's his literal character it's it's it is embarrassing i guess the thing i know he's young guys that are talented around him but what did he do that was at all effective in like oh wow he's good way no they play him right he stinks well here's the thing though it's like i think the reason we have that reaction is that like before this all the people that like are presented as stink in wrestling are actually pretty good it's like heath slater drake maverick but even Barry Horowitz, there's like a lot of there's like some fun stuff about him. Yeah, you just um, named three guys who who stink. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they, well, they, they, they but they were they're at least talented. There's entertain- nothing entertaining. When? But Scott, here's when the thing: Slater knock it out of the fucking park. The, the, the run where he had with Rhino for the for the Smack T, SmackDown no, tag team titles. No, no, and good. Rhino stinks too. Oh, Rhino does not Eighty-five percent of wrestlers fucking stink. Uh, you guys insane? Uh, it's AEW Scott Chaplin time. Yes, it's just crazy. Most wrestlers stink. But 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 according to Scott, they He's stink. Totally regular. They stink by accident in other companies, but they stink on purpose in AEW. Like you're confusing criticism with preference. Like you guys sound like nitpicky. You guys sound like uh, it's it's embarrassing when I hear you guys talk about AEW because it's like you totally miss the point of the fun of anything of it. The fun I, of I, it I is watching a guy who's not entertaining. Watching. When he's no. actually not entertaining, but it's no, meta you because you're supposed to think he's not entertaining. Um, it's on television and you have a remote. And if you didn't have to record a podcast, you could fast forward through QT or watch something else. It's working. Scott. It's unfortunately working. I don't want it to work. It's working, though. So just Scott's let it happen. Late let late it occur. Have the same mentality and put him on. So he's the QT of comedy. <laughs> it, I mean, it just sucks like, that i have to be right and then you guys you know have to be so wrong like hey at least they did the wrong. attitude era we're gonna hit something with a vehicle uh which i'm glad that that was back so yeah that, that was fun you know the the weird tony khan obsession with vehicles all the time like it's clear he had well, WWF his, his dad figures. didn't let him have one until he was 25 oh, no. he definitely had WWF action figures and hot wheels and he had to interact with both of them when he was playing like he needed to merge <laughs> them so now it's the adult version Dude. of this like everybody needs like all of the members of the inner circle have to have their own car and now you know they have to have this truck that smashes into a uh a trailer i feel like the tony khan and menendez brother story is very similar up until a point you know and if he had a brother this would have ended differently <laughs> <laughs> also also every wrestler gets a cool car how does that suck that sounds fun give me I, a video like, game that's that give me twisted metal but aew <laughs> see I, I agree with you until the end of it where you just turn into a fucking commercial <laughs> no that was fun what i said you guys are uh losers uh you know what i did dig though i had a lot of fun with uh how they're portraying michael nakazawa now with that aew backstage shirt Dude and cutler great. being their cameraman <laughs> that's great yeah, that's, that's cool. great man uh all right it's time for high spots low spots we talk about one thing we uh love oh, we, uh, before that we got to do uh okay. show and hell 
Uh, no, we're going to say that to the end. Oh, we're doing that, at the, we're end. Gonna do I, that I at the end. No worries. Uh, high spots and uh, low spots. This is uh, where we talk about one thing that we liked from wrestling uh, this much this month. And one thing that we uh, didn't like from wrestling this week. I said month. I meant week. Guys, I'm losing my mind. Let's start off with Mr. Robert Carpel as high spot, low spot of the week. Uh, That's up a segment the same way Lex Luger takes his shirt off in a promo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trying try to keep the show under a certain time, guys. Trying. Oh, man. Um, my my high spot of the week was Daniel Bryan uh, doing a promo because he's that uh, humble. It was an interview where he basically said, I didn't need to be a part of that triple threat match at WrestleMania. Uh, it was good. It was good enough without me. I begged them to not let me be a part of it. Like he can't not be that really humble guy. And there's something kind of charming that he always has to be a baby face. The low point of the week, which was sort of inversely my high point, the opening of NXT this week, Kyle O'Reilly, this promo, <laughs> Mike, did, Mike, did you see this promo? <laughs> This is my high point. Oh, <laughs> I watched this oh, and I kept thinking like, this can't be real. He comes out with sunglasses and a hat like a hipster. And then he's like, hey, you need to turn up the lights. Oh, wait, I'm wearing sunglasses. <laughs> then he does the Jim Carrey. So I crazy. like it a lot. And and then like, Cameron Grimes comes out and saves it because Cameron Grimes is the greatest thing in wrestling. But this was the most embarrassing promo I've seen on real television in a very, very long time. And really this was the QT Marshall of promos. Dude, I told Mike, he, he looks like when you put the sunglasses on your dog, you know? <laughs> it's like his, he was trying to keep his glasses up by lifting his head, like his snout yeah. couldn't, it was very... It reminded uh, me of like 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 Kirk Van Houten after the divorce, but it was very much like I sleep in a bed shaped like a race car. <laughs> it's funny Love that the my, my note Love that I match. literally had like was this is when when Lisa gets married and they show grown up Millhouse. That's exactly who Kyle O'Reilly sounded like. Do you have a, do you have an angle yet? Because. I don't. And now I'm super cool. Kyle O'Reilly. Like he's the, he's the worst. And then the best wrestler when he has that match with Cameron Grimes. So yeah, I don't rule, fucking dude. know. I love that. He got to say at NXT and still do his AEW character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's accurate. your high and low point this week mike you you had said that this was your high point yeah this was this was so fun i mean i gotta go high point like it was embarrassing but god like grimes did legitimately save it and we haven't seen him in a while in a in a longer promo so that was awesome and he's just like nfts and doja coin like the guy clearly um doesn't talk to the other wrestlers because he's actually paying attention to the world <laughs> it's pretty amazing yeah. <laughs> um o'reilly yeah oh and o'reilly defending himself on uh on on twitter like what there's only one guy that can wear a denim jacket <laughs> it's just beautiful um low point i want to say is i saw Mickey James tweeted uh, that they sent, uh, you know, she got uh, let go last week as one of the releases and um, they returned her stuff to her today by mailing it in a garbage bag. Oh my God. Yeah. Holy Someone shit. who has been at that company for so long did so much for the company. I mean, you shouldn't do that to any employee anyways, but you know, it's like, you know they're going to make her a Hall of Famer in like five years. 
especially because they have to. Uh, and she deserves it. She's fucking great. Um, it was just really shitty. Uh, so there you go. Scotty that was my Chaps. high point. <laughs> oh, man. High point for me is... Okay, okay. High point for me is Daniel Bryan's interview, but where he said that he would like to somehow work out a deal where he could wrestle other places as well as WWE and that he, he might leave. Um, now, I don't know if that's just a new thing that everybody's going to be doing now that AEW exists, if they're just going to be saying this in hopes that WWE throws money at them. But I liked, uh, I liked reading that. I thought that was cool. That made me happy. And my low point, who? Kyle, no, no, this is my low point, okay? If you think I'm an AEW mark. I thought Chris Jericho uh, stunk this week. I thought it, it really stinks that MJF just knocked it out of the park with a serious promo, and then you came out and joked around again. It's like blood and guts is in a few weeks, and you're making jokes, and your jokes stink. And the reason we liked your jokes when, when the inner circle was healed is like that was part of it was – this weird, oh my God, these guys aren't funny and it's fun. It was like a weird fun heel group and they weren't funny. And now it's just not funny at all to the point where that should be the gimmick. To, to constantly go like, the pineapple, oh, I'm sorry, the pinnacle. I mean, Jesus Christ, you make me want to cut my dick off, man. I just feel like, a, <laughs> I feel like an absolute cuck bitch when you talk to me like that. But do you, Scott, do you think some of that is because of the praise that promo, like I said, it was, they shot that two weeks ago. They didn't shoot a thing last week. He, Jericho clearly reads everything about himself. Like he clearly Twitter searches himself all the time. Oh dude, for uh, sure. To the point that I wouldn't be surprised if he told Wardlow to correct his error. in the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know? And so I think that it's like, you know, that, that last promo, there was some goofier, hokier shit, but there was a lot of seriousness too. And that's what people liked about it. But I think he thought the goofy shit is what they liked. Yeah, it, that was a bummer. And also, okay, like uh, another low point is uh, Penta's that speaker guy. The, his man is not I his like, manager, yeah. but like I, I like it. But when it's like Penta says, you smell like cheese. And then the guy gets <laughs> mad. Again, it's just like, ugh, I just feel like a loser watching this. Dude, he WWE. has a shirt now. He has yes, it's very WWE. <laughs> How long do you think it took Jericho to write that song, by the way? Like, this must have been three hours. Oh, it was so and they bad. All had, like, Hager must have heard nine versions of it. The worst. Uh, the worst. Zach, uh, who, what's your high and low spot for this week? Uh, oh, not a lot. Um, I liked the pinnacle promo as well. I think that's probably going to be my high point for mm -hmm. the week and, uh, the low point. Yeah. Let's say, uh, Mickey stuff in a garbage bag. She's a hall of famer. That's pretty insane. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, it insane. wasn't a box. It was a box. It was and a she box opened and a garbage it, bag and it was a garbage inside bag. of it. And I just tweeted that, you know, Hey Mickey, we're going to need that back. Uh, budget cuts are pretty rough. <laughs> oh, that's um, really funny. But, but Scott, I think putting the garbage bag in the box is worse because you could just put it in the box. <laughs> you true. chose to leave the garbage bag. You, add, you, add, you added an extra shitty step. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, All I'm these gonna... low points, by the way, are proof that you guys didn't watch Raw. Um, because um, dude, I was trying to think of I watched of Raw. Raw. 
Raw was I don't so, remember what happened. Raw was, Raw so was better terrible. than last week. It was better than last week. Because it was man. the same show as last week, Dan. They just re-aired the same show that they did a week prior. At least they're not wearing the fucking real sex masks anymore, Retribution. <laughs> but you're going to hear us talk about Monday Night Raw this Monday if you become a $10 patron. That's right. Me and Robert are going to be breaking down Raw. You're going to get it sometime like Tuesday morning at 9 or 10. And uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a pretty good time because it's a pretty bad time. <laughs> we watch I it. Feeling, I have a feeling in three months we're gonna be doing a Grimmix Retribution versus the Factory and having Slapjack on. Uh, oh man, did he was he let go or was he? No, they moved no. him. To, him and Mia Yim are on SmackDown. Oh, yep. Okay, well that's good. Um, all right, so my high spot and low spot this week. Uh, I didn't know that uh, Daniel Bryan narrated his audiobook, so I, I just got that, and I'm listening to him narrate, and, uh, you know, it's just nice, because the last audiobook I got from a wrestler, Shawn Michaels, and they had somebody who didn't sound like Shawn Michaels, so, uh, all right, yeah, I know that sounds... Hearing you know? this high spot is my low spot. <laughs> <laughs> and my low spot, actually, this week... Was I was listening to the Observer this morning. Yep, that's a low like, spot. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> no, Meltzer did. He's talked about how how tough it is when you get banana in your hair. And I I had such like a low point because I was like, this is our Seymour Hirsch. You know, this is like our top intelligentsia. You know, this is this is our guy. And he was just I, I just imagine like this fucking dipshit getting a banana in his hair. And trying to get rid. Anyway, I can't wait to roast him. But uh, that was a low point for me because I'm just wondering, like, like my wife hears me listen to that three or four times a week, you know. And I'm listening to some guy who like got a banana stuck in his head. Yeah, he was talking you... about the gum stuck in her hair, and he's like, "That's bad. That's real bad." And then Alvarez is like, "Yeah, that's happened to me. I think you use peanut butter to get it out." And he's like, "I never had gum in the hair. Never gum. Never gum. Banana. I get banana in the hair." <laughs> and then Alvarez is just like, "Yeah." <laughs> Dan. So Scott, you heard that too, right? It was yeah, like it was rough. appalling, right? It was always appalling. rough, man. And we have to have a fucking intervention. You have to stop listening to fucking Dave Meltzer in a place where your wife can also hear it because she's gonna leave you. We're gonna be doing way more Patreon tears. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna, gonna be fucking a, devastating. I'm gonna be reviewing SmackDown. I'm gonna be reviewing. NWA power, forget about it. I'm going to be... My, uh, my, my problem is there isn't enough Impact Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for the love of fucking God and Sarah, your amazing wife, <laughs> put some headphones in. Don't make her listen to that shit. Yes. Save him from watching AEW Dark Elevation for six <laughs> hours. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's get to show and hell. This I got to head out. All right, guys. I gotta, all right, I gotta, Scotty. I gotta check out... Check out Scotty. Scotty. All right. Check out Scotty in New York. He's doing spots all over New York. Um, Today, minutes on why QT is great. It kills. uh, We're gonna do. We're gonna. We're gonna close this fucker out with uh, our show in hell this week in honor of the fiend. I chose a video that I hadn't seen in a while, and it's. It feels. It's. It's the whipping of Husky Harris, and it feels. (laughs) It feels like it feels like a PSA against Greek life. You know what I mean? Or like a law and order where somebody dies in like a frat prank or something. It is really fucking uncomfortable, dude. Like everything that works about the Cody MJF uh, whipping does not work about this. this. And for some reason, this seems way more brutal, too. Um, wh- what did you think about this, Robert? 
I thought this was awesome. Uh, for as uncomfortable and weird as this was, the way that CM Punk was so intense about this. Oh, he's uh, such a prick. It he, was, he loved it. He oh, loved it was, everything. It, look, this was, this was great. For those of you who don't remember this traumatic moment uh, in, in humanity, um, they're, like, they're initiating him into the new Nexus, Husky Harris. And they're like, You're, and the rest of you guys are going to whip him. So he turns around. It's like he leans into him, like whispers into his ear, like sexual harassment style. Lose the shirt. And it's just the most uncomfortable thing. And then they all just whip the shit out of him, which if you've ever worked in a wrestling locker room happens all the time, guys get chopped like this in the back to prove how tough they were in a fake sport, which is ridiculous and stupid. But this was all right, fat guy, you want to, you want a spot in uh, on on a popular stable. We're going to do this to you on TV and you're going to take it. So that we can show how tough you are and then show the, the marks on your back after uh, they whipped the shit out of him. It made punk look like an asshole. And it was further proof that this nexus angle could have worked, uh, which uh, is the most frustrating part of this. Well, we had the core with two R's, right? Um, was it, what did they have two R's? I, I know what one of those yeah, R's stood for. Uh, Mike, <laughs> what, Mike, what did you think about this segment? Um, I thought that, yeah, I, I hadn't seen this and obviously I think like a lot yeah, of, you really uh, enjoyed it. <laughs> like a lot of fat kids. No, I didn't. This was like very haunting and triggering. Um, wow. because you know, here's the thing. No one is a worse bully than other nerds. I could tell you that, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's what CM Punk came off like here. Like the dude that like picks on you because you didn't also read the star wars books you just saw the movies like he was like such an asshole you know and and it was very it says a lot about the summer of punk which we're coming on the 10-year anniversary of that i forgot about this because this was only like a few months before this was around his randy orton feud and everything um this was just so awkward heat slater who is great uh, was in this like nobody looked comfortable and then- dude no well, here's one i do want to make uh, somebody did look comfortable i disagree because like like justin gabriel like w- like looked very hesitant which is which is you know considering his co- you know it's south africa there's a lot of racism in that country okay heath slater a southerner obviously we know the whipping history here david tunga no problem <laughs> walked in there and whipped that motherfucker and did not give a shit like you could just tell he was like taking out whatever like passive aggressive shit jennifer hudson said to him the night before like he just went in there and did not pause once i'm sorry mike keep going yeah it's like because you know punk did this and then went on to like his greatest run right after Cody got whipped and then got a fucking neck tattoo. So I don't know what whipping does to you, but it definitely makes you reevaluate your life and make drastic choices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but that. you know, I mean, look like to go back to the bright side, Bray's gone a long fucking way because especially those post mania raw crowds and shit like that. If they wanted to chant Husky Harris, they could, they don't, and that's probably Bray's biggest compliment. <laughs> Getting whipped is nowhere near as dumb as those tattoos, because holy <laughs> shit, it looks like he lost a lot of bets. <laughs> All right, and, and, and also, the real MVP of this segment is Jerry the King Lawler, <laughs> who the last line is, 
this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Which made me realize, like, Sandusky probably could have gotten away with it for longer if he was funny, you know? Uh, <laughs> roast, uh, allegedly. Uh, roast of uh, Gerald. I also had this thought of, like, was this what Hunter had to do to join the family? Like, this feels like it's happened before, you know? It feels like it happened, and it happened right before he went on the set of Tough Enough, if you've ever seen that episode. <laughs> I, that, that'll that definitely be a future show in hell. Have you ever seen Hunter's speech on Tough Enough? Yeah, when he gets, he, I would have I really hit you that time. Yeah, <laughs> it's the most amazing thing. And it's, yeah, because like, that's the thing we always have to remember is because of how goofy wrestling is and how people perceive it, wrestlers then overcompensate by showing how tough they are to diminishing audiences <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's i, I want to say this about hunter before we end the show like a lot of people like give hunter shit because of where he is his nepotism and you know marrying to the mcmahons and like okay even if that's true and it could be true like then he is getting the right reward for it you know what i mean like <laughs> marrying in to the McMahons, like keeping that body looking like you're a 25 year old when you're 50, like the shit that he has to do to like, like he earned his spot, man. There's nobody who's earned his spot more than Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah, that that, that was not taking a shortcut. No, that is 22 <laughs> years of FaceTime with Vince all the time. And, and that's a lot of farts that you're for, forced to uh, breathe in because Vince will always find it funny and you have to laugh or else you have to divorce his daughter. Is FaceTime with Vince worse than sitting on your FaceTime with China? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like, uh, it, it's just, uh, I mean, it just must be a fucking nightmare to like constantly be on like that. That's the, the thing with like both Stephanie and China. I can't imagine Hunter not being the one receiving in both of those scenarios. <laughs> that's, that's probably true uh but i really don't think there's been an easy day in triple h's life no because like, and you know what i mean like because he went from like like professional bodybuilding in the early 90s so nobody gave a shit about it to like then like he had no fun as a single guy he went from like being with china to being with stephanie like this guy was in the most in anyway she yeah. was the he was the designated driver for the click. I mean, it's I like, mean that alone, yeah. dude. Um, yeah, I'm <laughs> saying the guy, the guy always worked. Like, yeah, these are yeah. not shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine just getting that 2 a.m. call? Hey, you know, Sean, Sean is here in the parking lot of an old country buffet, and then you got to go which Sean, you know. <laughs> like, hey, like that's, hey, hey. Hey, can you put on a Marine costume and pretend to beat me up so I don't have to wrestle Brett? <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's a wrap on the show this week. If uh, if you haven't left a five-star review or left us a, a review on iTunes, really appreciate it. Um, on May 29th, I'm going to be in Arnold's Park in Iowa. And on the 28th and 29th, I'm going to be at the Laugh It Up Comedy Club in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, just to give you guys, again, uh, a heads up, next week we're going to be doing the roast of Kenny Omega for Show and Hell. We're going to be doing Kenny Omega versus A Little Girl. For Grimmix, we're going to be doing The Sultan versus Fatu making a difference. Both uh, Rikishi gimmicks before Rikishi and after the Head Shrinkers. It's a real shit show. And our uh, patron this week will be 
uh, our top five. And this Monday will be the first to something to sports entertainment with myself and Robert Karpolis uh, recapping uh, Monday Night Raw, which, uh, you know, thank God we got to do this for something because I mean, you know, at least Robert has a huge like following. Like I've just been tweeting to like, you know, the abyss every Monday night. So I got to make this work for me. Joseph Park doesn't follow us. <laughs> uh, um, uh, what do you got, Mike? Um, you can see me, uh, yeah, Mike Lawrence comedy on Instagram. And uh, sometimes I, I uh, tweet dynamite on our Russell Roast uh, page. Zach. Wash your hands. And Robert. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. All right, folks. Wash your damn hands. We hope you we hope you had a good time. We're always glad you came. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>